فَأَخَذَهُ اللَّهُ So Allah seized him. How? نَكَالَ الْآخِرَةِ With a nakal of al-akhirah wal-ula and also of the ula. What is nakal? Noon, kaf, lam. We read this word long ago in Surah Al-Baqarah. What is nakal? An exemplary punishment. Exemplary punishment. Meaning such a severe punishment that is given to someone that becomes a deterrent for others. That when others see it, when they hear about it, they never dare to do the same thing. Nakal al-akhirati wal-ula. And so from this nakal is also used for a terrible punishment. Exemplary punishment meaning very severe. What is this nakal al-akhirah wal-ula? What is akhirah and ula referring to? One meaning can be akhirah referring to the hereafter and al-ula referring to the world. So Allah punished him with a severe punishment when in the hereafter, but also in the world. What is his punishment in the hereafter? In Surah Ghafir, Ayah 46, أَنَّارُ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا غُدُوًّا وَعَشِيًّا وَيَوْمَ تَقُومُ السَّاعَةُ أَدْخِلُوا آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ أَشَدَّ الْعَذَابِ أَشَدَّ الْعَذَابِ Surah Ghafir, Ayah 46. This is the punishment in the hereafter. What about the punishment in the world? Of being drowned. And if you see, even before drowning, were there some other punishments? Minor punishments? Upon Fir'aun and his people? Yes. What were they? The famine, the blood, the frogs, the locusts, etc., etc. So, nakal al-akhirah wal-ula. In Surah Hud, ayah 98 also, the punishment in the hereafter that Fir'aun will be given is mentioned. يَقْدُمُ قَوْمَهُ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ فَأَوْرَدَهُمُ النَّارِ He will lead his people to the fire on the day of judgment. Just as he led them in this world, he will lead them into the hellfire. فَأَخَذَهُ اللَّهُ نَكَالَ الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى Another interpretation is الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى is referring to الْآخِرَةِ meaning the last transgression and الْأُولَى meaning the first transgression. The last transgression and the first transgression. Because Fir'aun didn't just taga once or twice, right? How many times did he taga? Many times. When Musa salam was born, at that time what was happening? The children of the Bani Israel were being killed. Right? Before that, they had been enslaved. And then what happened? When Musa salam came as a messenger, Fir'aun restarted that genocide where he started killing their babies again. Right? He rejected Musa salam in his court and he rejected him in the arena where Musa salam defeated all the magicians and all the magicians believed in him. And what did Fir'aun do over there? He killed all the magicians. Isn't it? And then what happened? One warning. After another warning. After another warning. Each time they were sent with a punishment, what would Fir'aun say? Oh Musa, pray to your Lord, remove this from us. If it's removed, we will believe. We will let the Bani Israel go. Did he? No, he didn't. So there was a series of crimes. Isn't it? Series of crimes. So here Allah says that He punished him. Allah punished Fir'aun for what? For his final crime and the first one and everything in between. In other words, Fir'aun was punished because he deserved it. For all those crimes that he had committed. Some have said, another interpretation of this ayah is, نَكَالَ الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى 
Meaning this was an exemplary punishment for who? For the people who would come later, Al-Akhirah, meaning the later generations. And Al-Ula, the first being the people of that time also. An exemplary punishment for the people who lived at the time of Fir'aun and all the subsequent generations until the Day of Judgment. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَعِبْرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى Indeed, in that is surely a lesson. But for who? For who? لِمَنْ يَخْشَى For the one who fears. The one who fears Allah. He will take a lesson from this. What is the lesson? This is our test. Because Allah says, and this is a lesson for the one who fears. So the one who fears Allah has taken a lesson. You understand? The one who fears Allah has taken a lesson from this incident. So if you are of those who fear Allah, what is the ibrah that you have taken from these verses? What is the lesson that we can take? It's your turn now. What is the lesson? Think, look at the verses. إِنَّ فِي ذَٰلِكَ لَعِبْرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى Look at the verses again. هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى إِذْ نَادَاهُ رَبُّهُ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوَى إِذْهَبْ إِلَى فِرْعَوْنِ إِنَّهُ طَغَى فَقُلْ هَلْ لَكَ إِلَى أَنْ تَزَكَّى وَأَهْدِيَكَ إِلَى رَبِّكَ فَتَخْشَى فَأَرَاهُ الْآيَةَ الْكُبْرَى فَكَذَّبَ وَعَصَى ثُمَّ أَدْبَرَ يَسْعَى فَحَشَرَ فَنَادَى فَقَالَ أَنَا رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى فَأَخَذَهُ اللَّهُ نَكَالَ الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى And how much of this deen are we using to purify ourselves? You know, our habits are still the same. Are we still backbiting? Are we still talking about lies? Are we still walking, you know, with tales and stuff? Or once we learn this deen, are we really purifying ourselves from all that? Yes. Bad habits. Yes. Because Fir'aun was sent a message also. Musa a.s. was sent to Fir'aun to offer him guidance. Did Musa a.s. deliver? Yes, he delivered. Did Fir'aun change? Did he yatazakka? No, he didn't. So what happened then? His result is there. So if while taking knowledge, if our actions are not changing, then what are we doing? Um, I think another lesson would probably be that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends guidance your way, then it's your duty to accept. And if you turn away from it, then your outcome is this, it will be similar to Fir'aun's. Yeah. I mean, guidance is a gift. It's a gift. And not accepting it, rejecting it. And then, look at the Tughyan over here. That he doesn't just say, oh I'm not interested, thank you very much. No, yes'a. He's opposing it. But look at the end. So those who oppose Allah's deen, no matter how mighty they become, don't fear them. Because look at the end of Fir'aun. Sometimes we see very powerful people who are doing a lot of wrong things. So we shouldn't follow like the masses and agree with what they're doing. Because even we may not see their evil outcome in this dunya, they will have to face a consequence in the Akhirah. So basically if you look... Khashiyah of Allah is mentioned, right? We begin to fear those who are in front of us. But successful is the person who fears Allah. 
Assalamualaikum. I feel like just reading this, the reason why like Pharaoh gained so much power and might was because of like the feeble-mindedness of his people. And so, if we're seeing hard times and bad leaders now, it really says something about that. Like you know, we're we're forgetting how much of an effort are we making to understand the Quran and see people of Pharaoh. They weren't feeble-minded in worldly terms, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that, look at their skills, what they built, what they crafted, the things they used, the tools they used, they're still there today. They were very advanced in worldly terms. But when it came to right and wrong, it's as if they were blind over there. When it came to morality, when it came to justice, it's as if they were blind. They had a completely different standards for themselves and a completely different standard for the Bani Israel. Pharaoh is lying outright. The magicians are defeated. They all believed. But look at the masses. So this is a problem. If we're very smart in worldly terms, very intelligent in our worldly work, but when it comes to right and wrong, morality, justice, we turn a blind eye over there, this is a big problem. And many times we look at different situations like, oh, they're not Muslim, so whatever happens, happens. Oh, those people are living in a different part of the world, too bad for them. I mean, what's happening in Syria? Every single day. It's terrible, but it's as if we don't care because it's not happening close to us. Because we don't have relatives over there. But if a tragedy falls close to home, then what happens? We're all getting worried. We're so selfish. Just concerned about ourselves. So let us use our intelligence in in matters of right and wrong, in matters of justice also. That are people being treated fairly? Are they being treated equally? Go ahead. Alaikum. Um, I was thinking that looking at Fir'aun's reaction to the advice of uh, Musa alayhi salam, many times people in our lives have come to us with advice, whether it's good or bad, relevant to us or not, we should always check what kind of reactions we have to that. I mean, many times people are telling us something good and our reaction is so harsh towards them that, or we get defensive, we're not just turning them away, but like we're harming ourselves in the process. Yes. I mean, Musa alayhi salam brought good to Fir'aun. هَلَّكَ إِلَىٰ أَن And Fir'aun refused to accept. Alhamdulillah, we are finishing this course, right? So the verse, أَهَدِيَكَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَتَقْشَىٰ And we are having a lot of opportunity to, you know, to do another courses also. But if our action is not going to change, and we are doing this course and that course, so it's quite horrifying, right? I was looking at the verse of Al-Baqarah, وَمَا اللَّهُ بِغَافِلٍ أَمَّا يَعْمَلُونَ Allah is aware of whatever we are doing it. So if we are doing different type of, you know, courses, whatever, it should come into our inaction, into our actions. Yes. Assalamualaikum. So there are a lot of comments about how um, when we study the Qur'an, it should be transformative and we should change. And of course, the first intention for seeking knowledge is to better yourself. But then Fir'aun, after he turned away from Musa Sam, he strove so hard to make sure that his message wasn't heard. And there's something not right about us collecting so much but not sharing it further with other people. So we should really try our best to um, also do that. Yes, that as we take, we must also share. Go ahead. 
السلام علیکم آئی واز جسٹ تھنکنگ آفٹر ود سسٹر سد دیر واز آلسو اے ٹپ فار داوا ایز ویل دیٹ یو نو ہاؤ موس علیہ السلام پرزینٹیڈ ٹو فر آن ہی پرزینٹیڈ ایٹ ایز اے ایڈوائس ایز اے گفٹ سو ہاؤ آفٹن از دیٹ ون وی ٹیک وٹ آر وی لرن ٹو سم ون ایلس ہاؤ از دیٹ وی پرزینٹ ٹو دم ڈو وی میک اٹ انٹائسنگ فار دیم اور ڈو وی یو نو شو دم اوے انتم اشد خلقن ام السماء آر یو اے مور ڈیفیکلٹ کریشن اور از اٹ دا اسکائی Fir'aun's response to this beautiful advice was what? Arrogance. Right? And when a person is arrogant, what does he think? I'm the best, I'm the best. The people of Makkah, the Prophet ﷺ is warning them. And what do they say? Are we going to be resurrected? When our bones have decomposed and they have become nakhira? Allah says, أَأَنْتُمْ أَشَدُّ خَلْقًا أَمِ السَّمَاءِ What do you even think about yourself? Are you a mighty creation? Or is it the sky? What's bigger? You or the sky? What's bigger? What's stronger? What's more firm? What's more solid? It's the sky. Who created the sky? Allah did. So for Him to create you once, and then for Him to recreate you, why would that be difficult? The maker of the sky can resurrect you. Banaha. He has built it. Allah has built the sky. And we think sky is just space, right? It's just space. What's the building in the sky? Because bana is to build, to make a structure. The sky is not just space. It's not just emptiness. We know that there's hidden forces within. I mean, just look at the gravity of the earth. Right? And look at the distance between the planets and the stars and the sun and the moon. And then how they're moving. All of this, banaha. This hidden structure that we don't see. Who built it? Allah built it. رَفَعَ سَمْكَهَا He raised its samk. Samk, seen meme kaf, is used for the vertical height of something. Samik is used for the camel hump. So samkaha, its ceiling. رَفَعَ سَمْكَهَا He raised its ceiling, meaning he raised it high. فَسَوَّاهَا Then he proportioned it. Sawa is to make something smooth. And really, when you look at the sky, what do you see? Smooth, plain. I mean, how? It's amazing. وَأَغْطَشَ لَيْلَهَا And he darkened its night. أَغْطَشَ غَيْنْطَ شِينَ غَطَشْ غَطَشْ is basically to be dim-sighted. To have hazy vision. To be able to see but not very clearly. And that's exactly how the night is. It's not like pitch black that you can't see anything. You can, but barely. So أَغْطَشَ لَيْلَهَا He darkened its night. وَأَخْرَجَ ضُحَاهَا And he extracted its brightness. Meaning, in the night time, the sky is dark. And in the day, أَخْرَجَ ضُحَاهَا He brings out its ضُحَا ضُحَا, brightness, the light of the sun. Every single day this happens. The night and the day follow each other. وَالْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ دَحَاهَا And the earth after that, دَحَاهَا He has spread it. Meaning this is how the sky is. And then Allah also created the earth after the sky. And how did He make it? Dahaha. Daha from the root letters dalha wow, dahu. It's basically to expand an area. And how would you do that? That you clear out an area. So any pebbles, any rocks, you pick them up and you remove them. Any trees, you cut them off and you remove them. This is how you expand an area. So this is Daha. 
it is said that this word is used for an ostrich that uses its foot or leg to clear out an area in order to lay its eggs, in order to build its nest. So what do we see here? The earth, dahaha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He spread out the earth, meaning He made it vast, livable. He spread it out, He made it vast. Why? So that you can live on it easily. Secondly, it is also said, dahaha, meaning He separated it. Separated it from what? From what it was joined with before. And what is that? Allahu A'lam. But we know for sure that the earth and the sky, what were they like? Ratqan. And then we separated them. أَخْرَجَ مِنْهَا مَاءَهَا He brought out from it, meaning from the earth, its water. So the water of the earth has come from where? From it. We learn about hadith, about iron, that it was sent down. But the water of the earth has come from where? From it. وَمَرْعَاهَا And also, he took out its mar'a, its pasture. Mar'a, ra'inya, ra'i, ra'i, shepherd. It's basically, mar'a is pasture or grass or things like that that grow from the earth which animals eat. So, أَخْرَجَ مِنْهَا مَاءَهَا وَمَرْعَاهَا From the earth, water gushes out for your use. And from the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gives you water and plants so that you can live on it. In other words, Allah has made the earth livable for you. Self-sustaining. You're not dependent on other planets for your water and your pasture. The food has to come from Mars and the water has to come from Jupiter. No. Everything you have, where? In the earth. وَالْجِبَالَ أَرُسَاهَا And the mountains, أَرُسَاهَا He has set it firmly. أَرُسَا رَاسِينَ وَاو رُسُو رَاسِيَات مُرُسَاهَا Anchor. So it's basically when something is deeply rooted. So وَالْجِبَالَ أَرُسَاهَا He has anchored mountains on the earth just as ships are anchored in water. وَالْجِبَالَ أَرْسَاهَا Meaning He has set these mountains very firmly upon the earth. Why? Why all of this? مَتَاعًا لَكُمْ وَلِأَنْعَامِكُمْ As provision for you and also for your grazing livestock. You drink the water, you eat these plants. Who else does? Your animals too. And then who benefits from those animals? You do. So whose favor is it on you night and day, every moment of your existence? It is Allah. Then how could you forget Him? فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى But when there comes the greatest overwhelming calamity, الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى طَامَّةُ طَامِمِّمْ طَامَّةُ is a calamity that overpowers all other calamities. You know, for example, every day of your life you have some problems, some issues, whatever issues they may be. You got a tiny cut on your finger. You have too many assignments to submit. You have to go somewhere. You have to go there. And then what happens? Such a big disaster happens that you forget about every petty issue. Right? And there's only one main problem that you can think about. It's overwhelmed every other calamity. The day of judgment is الطامتل كبرى The greatest overwhelming calamity. 
Meaning there is no calamity, there is no catastrophe, there is no disaster that the world or the people of the world have experienced except that the day of judgment will overpower it. It will be worse than every other calamity that mankind has ever witnessed. And tamma is also a calamity that is continuously overwhelming. It's like you can't get over it. You cannot run away from it. You can't hide from it. It doesn't go away. There is no escape or relief from it. You see some problems, they come and they go away. But then some, they linger. They chase you through your life. The day of judgment is what? Attamatul kubra Never ending. Overwhelming. Calamity. يَوْمَ يَتَذَكَّرُ الْإِنسَانُ and it is the day when man will remember what he strove for. What will he remember? Masa'a. What is it that I ran after? Because sa'i is basically to run, to walk fast. So what is it that I ran after? What is it that I walked fast towards? What is it that I strove for, that I worked hard for? And this is something we need to ask ourselves today because this is what we will remember on the Day of Judgment. What am I running for today? If I'm walking fast somewhere, what is that? If I'm working hard, striving, panicking to complete, rushing hard to complete, what is it? Is it something that will benefit me only today? Or is it something that will benefit me on the Day of Judgment? يَوْمَ يَتَذَكَّرُ الْإِنسَانُ مَا سَعَى and this is so embarrassing because if we honestly ask ourselves, what is it that we rush towards? What is it? What is it? It's worldly things. And what is it that we rush through? Salah. That which will benefit us in the hereafter. يَوْمَ يَتَذَكَّرُ الْإِنسَانُ مَا سَعَى وَبُرِّزَتِ الْجَحِيمُ And hellfire will be exposed, brought into view. For who? For all those who see. Hellfire will be brought. It will be displayed. Burrizat barazai is to display, to be visible. As we learn in hadith that hellfire will be brought in 70,000 rains, each being held by 70,000 angels. It will be brought so that people can see it. فَأَمَّا مَنْ طَغَى Then as for the one who transgressed. طَغَى Again, overstepped the bounds, the limits that Allah has set. وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا And he gave preference to the worldly life. And this is why we rebel. Because we are preferring the dunya over the akhirah. What will bring us enjoyment now over what will bring us relief eternally. أَثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ dunya. But this is so dangerous because فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى Then indeed, hellfire will be his refuge. These verses are very scary. فَأَمَّا مَنْ طَغَى وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ dunya. What is the result? What is the result? Jahim. وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ And as for the one who feared the position of his Lord. خَشْيَةً 
the one who is afraid that I am going to stand before my Lord and he is going to ask me, what will I say? And because of that fear, what does he do? He stops his nafs from the desire. He stops himself from chasing his desire. Desires are very, very overpowering. What is hawa? Desire. And why is it called hawa? Because you fall in front of it. And when you pursue it, you fall. You become weak. It's such a strong craving, such a strong desire that you will even cheat and lie or you will even do that which is impermissible in order to fulfill that desire. But when is it that a person can curb this desire? مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ The one who fears the position of his Lord. He knows his Lord and he fears him or he fears standing before his Lord. Then this person, فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى Then indeed Jannah, that will be his abode. Two places, two characters. One abode is Jahim, the other is Jannah. What takes to hellfire? Taha athar al hayat al dunya, basically following the desire. And what is it that takes to Jannah? Khafa maqam rabbihi wa nahan nafsa an al hawa. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ السَّاعَةِ أَيَّانَ مُرْسَاهَا They ask you about the hour. When is its arrival? Mursa, Rasin waw, same root as arusaha. What does it mean? To anchor a ship. So they ask you about the hour. When is it going to be anchored? Just like a ship, it arrives and it's anchored. So in other words, when is the day of judgment going to happen? Instead of preparing for it, this is all they talk about. Allah says, Fima anta min dhikraha. Fima in what? Meaning in what position anta are you min dhikraha? To mention it. Meaning who are you to mention it? Who are you to tell them when the day of judgment is going to be? You don't know about it. Ila rabbika muntahaha. To your Lord is its muntaha. What is muntaha? Finality. Where something ends. So its knowledge ends with who? With Allah, meaning only He knows about it. Its final knowledge is with Him. You can ask different people, but no one will be able to tell you. This knowledge is with who? Allah. Innama anta mundiru You are only a warner for those who fear it. So those who fear the hour, they will benefit from this warning. Ka'annahum yawma yarawnaha. It will be on the day that they see it. They see what? The hour. How will it be then? How will they feel then that lam yalbathu that they did not remain illa ashiyah except an afternoon aw duhaha or a morning right now it's as if they cannot wait for the hour they impatiently ask about it but when the hour will come it will be as if they did not remain in the world except for an ashiyah or its duha whose duha of the world Ashiya, afternoon. Duha, morning time. And what is that? Afternoon is how many hours? These days it's so short. As soon as the morning ends, you see the evening is on its way already. Duha, how short is the morning? Again, very short. What does it mean? On the day of judgment, the life of this world will seem so short. 
Why do we find it difficult to control our desire? Because it's as if we're afraid. How am I going to live through this one day or another day? How am I going to fast this whole day? And on the day of judgment, the entire life will be like, how much? Just an afternoon or a morning. What does it mean? Any hardship or any enjoyment that you go through in this world, its reality is that it is temporary. So prefer the hereafter over this dunya. If you prefer the enjoyment of this world, remember it's temporary. And if you choose to strive here, then remember even that striving will be limited. It's not going to go on forever. So be wise and make the right decision. كَأَنَّهُمْ يَوْمَ يَرَوْنَهَا لَمْ يَلْبَثُوا إِلَّا عَشِيَّةً أَوْ ضُحَاهَا Let's listen to the recitation of all of these verses. هَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى إِذْ نَادَاهُ رَبُّهُ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوَى اذْهَبْ إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ إِنَّهُ طَغَى فَقُلْ هَلْ لَكَ إِلَىٰ أَن تَزَكَّى وَأَهْدِيَكَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَتَخْشَى فَأَرَاهُ الْآيَةَ الْكُبْرَى فَكَذَّبَ وَعَصَى ثُمَّ أَدْبَرَ يَسْعَى فَحَشَرَ فَنَادَى فَقَالَ أَنَا رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى فَأَخَذَهُ اللَّهُ نَكَالَ الْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَعِبْرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى أَأَنْتُمْ أَشَدُّ خَلْقًا أَمِ السَّمَاءِ بَنَاهَا رَفَعَ سَمْكَهَا فَسَوَّاهَا وَأَغْطَشَ لَيْلَهَا وَأَخْرَجَ ضُحَاهَا وَالْأَرْضَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ دَحَاهَا أَخْرَجَ مِنْهَا مَاءَهَا وَمَرْعَاهَا وَالْجِبَالَ أَرْسَاهَا مَتَاعًا لَكُمْ وَلِأَنْعَامِكُمْ فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَى يَوْمَ يَتَذَكَّرُ الْإِنسَانُ مَا سَعَى وَبُرِّزَتِ الْجَحِيمُ لِمَنْ يَرَى فَأَمَّا مَنْ طَغَى وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَى النَّفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ السَّاعَةِ أَيَّانَ مُرْسَاهَا فِيمَ أَنْتَ مِنْ ذِكْرَاهَا إِلَى رَبِّكَ مُنْتَهَاهَا إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُنْذِرُ مَنْ يَخْشَاهَا 
كأنهم يوم يرونها لم يلبثوا إلا عشية أو ضحاها Towards the end of the surah, the ayah that وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَنْ نَفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى Then what is the result? فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى In contrast, earlier we learned that فَأَمَّا مَنْ طَغَى وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا Then what is the result? فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى So there's two ways of living. One way is of tagha, rebellion. That in the fulfillment of one's desires, in the fulfillment of one's wishes, a person doesn't even care about the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set. So he transgresses them. And what is the reason? Because وَآثَرَ الْحَيَاةَ dunya, He's giving preference to worldly life. And as fun as it may seem, without any limits, living life in this way, fulfilling every possible desire, and just preferring the now over everything else, as fun as it may seem, in reality, how is it? How is it? It's terrible. Because what is the end? فَإِنَّ الْجَحِيمَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى On the other hand, مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ The one who fears the position of his Lord, and this can be understood in two ways. Firstly, the maqam of his Lord, that how great my Lord is. He fears the great position of his Lord. He fears the power of Allah, Allah's ability, his status. So out of respect for that, he doesn't disobey. مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ And secondly, he fears the standing before his Lord, that one day he has to stand before his Lord and answer him. So out of that fear, what does he do? نَهَنْ نَفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى He stops the nafs from the desire. Then for this person, Jannah is his abode. Now, نَهَنْ نَفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَى Saying no to yourself. This is basically what it means to forbid the nafs from the desire. That when there is an inclination to do something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not allow, then there a person says no to who? To who? To himself, to herself. You see, saying no to others is very easy. Isn't it? People come and ask you, hey, can I borrow your phone? Can I borrow your car? Can I have this? Can I have that? You say no, 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 no. But your nafs, does it ask you to do something also? Say this, look here, do this, sleep some more, eat some more. But saying no to yourself is very, very hard. This is our greatest battle in life. Disciplining our own nafs. If you think about it, why do we get sick? Why do we gain extra weight? Because we can't say no to ourselves. Why is it that we can't find time for work? Because we don't say no to ourselves. Right? We're too busy enjoying ourselves. We don't want to say no to ourselves. So this is where life becomes difficult. Now remember that this hawa, hawa, desire, this can be in different forms. It can be in the form of food cravings. It can be in the form of the desire to adorn and beautify oneself. It can be in the form of sexual urges. Whatever it may be, when it's beyond the limit of halal, and when it is beyond 
the appropriate limit in the sense that it falls into excess, into israf, that is where you have to say no to yourself. And as hard as it is, it is necessary. The Prophet ﷺ said, your fighting against your nafs and desire for the sake of Allah is the most superior form of jihad. The most superior form of jihad is what? Fighting against who? Your own self. The Prophet ﷺ also said that with respect to Islam, the most superior believer is the one from whose tongue and hands other Muslims are safe. So the best believer is who? From whose tongue and hands other Muslims are safe. But the hadith continues, fighting one's nafs for the sake of Allah is the most superior jihad. The best form of jihad is what? To fight against your own self. And those who stand up to their nafs and desires for the sake of Allah are the most superior muhajireen. It's a form of hijrah. It's a form of immigrating for the sake of Allah. Those who say no to themselves, they are what? Immigrants in the way of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ also said that hell is surrounded by desires and jannah is surrounded by things that the nafs finds difficult. Jannah is surrounded by what? Things that the nafs finds difficult. And hell is surrounded by what? What? Desires. So if a person is basically fulfilling one desire after the other, just having fun, then what does it mean? What path is he upon? And if a person is constantly battling themselves, whatever battle that might be, then what path are they on? It's clear. نَهَا nafsa anil hawa. Whatever that desire may be, extreme desire for sleep, for comfort, physical pleasure, whatever it may be. But controlling the nafs, this is what leads to jannah. فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَى So check yourself. How frequently... Do you refuse yourself? How often do you refuse yourself? This is necessary. Because without it, a person cannot make it to Jannah. Anything you'd like to say? Yes. You know, with siblings, right? When we get the same thing, we fight a lot. I used to get something similar to me and stuff, right? So then when outside of siblings, like maybe cousins or in-laws or somebody get the same thing, we can't say much, right? Because... Somebody of course. Has... I mean, with your siblings, you can fight. Yes, is it? Exactly. You get upset over something, you say, right at their face. But when it comes to other people, you can't, you can't do that. That means you have the ability to control yourself. Is it? Because we think that, oh, it's so hard. I can't do it. I can't resist it. I can't help it. You can. Because you have the ability to control your tongue when you're outside. You have the ability to control your anger when you're in front of other people. You're not as weak as you think you are. So I just wanted to say something that like two days ago, something similar happened. And in my head, I was constantly battling. Oh, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. But I was like, no, why? This is something so petty of this dunya. Why am I going to create a fight over something so small? So it was like a constant battle in my nafs that I was like, and then, you know, a few days later, it would come back to my mind, okay, no, you have to say something now. And then I was, it, so seriously, battling with nafs is, subhanAllah, is really tough because yes. it keeps coming back to you almost like until you say something, it's not going to leave you. 
But really, it can leave you if you stop thinking about it. Exactly. And this is where you seek Allah's help also. You have to develop the strength to fight your nafs. Don't let your inner beast become so strong that you're defeated before it. Fight it. Weaken it. Discipline it. In Fikr Kulu class, we learned about nine doors of our body, right? Yes. Subhanallah, I was really reflecting on it. So difficult to control or, you know, the first door mouth sometimes, you know. Yes. We just say everything and then we realize why we said this, right? We cannot take these words back. Yes. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, Amen. protect us for all these things. Amen. So the author had mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the human being such that He's made different doors for him. In the sense that your eyes are like doors. You take information in through your eyes, through your ears, through your nose. And then your mouth is also a door, right? From which you take in food, but then you also spill things out. You also say things. That is where the battle is. These two eyes are so motivating. This, I have memorized them and put it on the somewhere on the, your mirrors where you can remember. Because 24-7 you are in two conditions. Either to please yourself or to please yourself. Please people or to please pray. Them. So, and the reward is Jannah. So it's very easy to control if you just remember yes. at that time that now what I have to do because the reward is so big. Yes. Remember the goal. Right? And then the battle becomes easy. You get the strength. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.